from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Jersey Gwizdowski, I'm an actor. Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a writer and director. Today, we're talking about challenging collaborations. Uh, Every actor, director, playwright, designer, or producer that has been working in the theater for any length of time has some story, at least one story, of a process that was especially challenging and specifically processes that were especially challenging because of the relationship they had with the people who they were working with. I think we will all agree that we strive very hard in our respective creative lives to have positive creative relationships and working relationships with everyone that we work with. But invariably, there are situations that will come up. I know I have had them and looking back on them, it's interesting to think about and we can talk about today things that I might have done, we might have done to make the process less challenging, Uh, but also sometimes there are things where there is not much you can do and you need to deal with it. Sometimes a situation can be challenging because it's a situation where someone is being unreasonable. Sometimes it can be a situation where reasonable people disagree strongly. And uh, we are going to be talking a bit about the times we have encountered those things, the times that we know you can encounter those things, and uh, have some thoughts about how to cope with them. I know, at least speaking for myself, this is not a topic where I feel like I necessarily have a lot of answers, because I certainly have had a few. And, you know, I've worked on 130 shows, and I have had what I would call a challenging experience on six or seven of them, which I think is a a, a reasonably good average. But that does mean that it does come up, and it does happen, and frankly, as much as I like to have those sorts of very positive working relationships in a rehearsal room, there still were times where it was difficult. And candidly, I will say probably it was I was not the only one it was difficult for in most of those uh, circumstances. So do you guys have any general thoughts about we should actually go through and kind of talk about the different relationships that exist within the theater and how those relationships can be challenging in a process. But do you guys have any general thoughts about what can make a process challenging and, and, and maybe mindsets that you can have or things that you can do generally to uh, keep the relationships positive? Well, I think one way to, to avoid challenging collaborations by and large, is to build long-term relationships with people you trust and respect. That is not something that's going to work for you all the time because in the theater business, you're working with different people almost on every show. But especially if you have sort of backup in your team, um, that can help you deal with challenging situations if you have people around you who you can trust. That actually is something uh, that I think is an important thing that I think people do have regular collaborators, and there's a reason for it. I mean, I remember when I was starting out, 
I was very suspect of directors who cast the same actors a lot or playwrights who use the same director a lot. But when you're doing a show, there really is this idea of we are going to be working together intensively for three to six weeks in putting this together. And, you know, that idea of having to navigate a challenging relationship with a, with a collaborator or even, candidly, having to learn your collaborators is time and resources that is spent in a rehearsal room, which often you want to do. Hopefully you're always looking to grow your pool of collaborators. But frankly, that idea of being someone in a rehearsal room who the director or the producer or the playwright feels like is contributing to being a positive place to work and someone who is a generous collaborator is something that's going to get you called into work much more often, specifically because of how really challenging it can be when those relationships are more dysfunctional than hopefully they are in most productions. And I think one of the, the most challenging situations is when you have two different relationships that are giving you trouble and you have to balance them. So, you know, having more people there who can support you helps you avoid that too. One thing that comes to mind about that for me though is that if you are working with a group of regular collaborators, challenges can arise if you're not sure that you're including everyone and that you know can be kind of a red flag something to really really keep an eye on that regular collaborators don't become a little exclusive group that regular collaborators are working together to incorporate all of the artists in the room mm -hmm. into the collaboration right and you know you want to do your best to be diplomatic and include folks in, in the group and that is the ideal circumstance but sometimes those types of challenging collaborations or, or relationships are unavoidable mm -hmm. and I think they may especially in working in the theater be exacerbated when everybody is really passionate incredibly creative incredibly driven and has strong opinions about the future of the play the scene the film the line, the costume, or whatever it may be. Uh, we cover the topic of collaboration and specialization of jobs in other episodes of the podcast, but sometimes those lines are blurred or individual artists or professionals define them slightly differently. And I mean, those are the instances that I've either witnessed or been a part of when, when those particular types of challenging collaborations arise. And people are less willing to, I don't want to say let go, but to let go of, you know, holding on to, to an opinion or, or, or something in the room because the, the folks that are working on plays are, are incredibly driven, passionate people for the most part. And I think a very just important thing for everyone who is a theater artist to embrace is the idea that they have chosen a collaborative art. There are many arts that you can do alone in a studio, alone in a room, and that idea of being someone who both lets other people into your own work and is the kind of people that people want to let into their work. I mean, one of the reasons why this is an especially important topic in the theater is that it's not like working in a dentist's office where working with someone who you don't get along with especially well can make going to work unpleasant, but you can still clean people's teeth, even if you don't like the person who's cleaning people's teeth in the next room. 
Whereas in the theater, it's about going into a room where you need to let yourself be vulnerable and let yourself be seen. And, you know, to really, it's an important, I think, thing for everyone who is a theater artist to embrace the fact that it's in their best interest to make everyone else in the room feel as though they can let themselves be vulnerable in front of them. You know, and, and it's something I, I mean, I remember one particular challenging uh, collaboration that I had that actually several people in this room were a part of. And there was one day where really the, 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 the room kind of blew up one day. And it really, I mean, that's actually part of the reason why it is all really important uh, to handle. And we should talk, we will talk about how to handle uh, the situations because it becomes endemic in the room. It becomes, you know, it's very rarely that one person is being unreasonable and everyone else is fine because people start pushing back against it. People start taking staking out territory and uh, things can become difficult and one day in fact two actors who I had worked with a number of times before and candidly I think one of the things that was a real challenge about this process was that the playwright was just rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting the play to the point that nobody could prepare for a rehearsal the next day because they had no idea what plays they were going what play they were going to be working on because every day there were new pages that people needed to figure out how to navigate and did not know that they were coming. But one day, the rehearsal totally blew up between two actors I'd worked with a number of times before, had always gotten along well, uh, had always been really great people to work with, fight, they both stormed out of the room, I was sort of agog. I think there were several other people who are, the, who are here now who were agog and aghast at what happened, and we hear from us behind the room the playwright say, why does this happen on every show? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I know why this happens on every show that she writes and then rewrites and rewrites and rewrites and rewrites and rewrites, which actually gets into something I think we'll get into um, with the, uh, the specific relationships, is part of it is having respect for each other's jobs. And what that means is not only not stepping on each other's toes and trying to do each other's jobs, which is also a big thing, where you have actors trying to direct other actors, where you have playwrights trying to direct through the writing, where you have directors wanting to rewrite the play. I mean, those are circumstances that are, are difficult, uh, you know, when people are directly overstepping. But also, you know, the situations where, you know, somebody's process is taking up so much of the collective process that people don't have time to do their own work. That in that case, a playwright was using all of the rehearsal time to rewrite her play in such a way that the rest of the collaborators felt like they were not able to prepare a performance that they were going to be doing in front of people in a matter of days. And I think that element of respect is the, is the key doing your own job, respecting everybody else's job, and remembering that it is an environment in which people are vulnerable. That that's entirely the goal, to let people be open. And that also means that people are sensitive and being brave and vulnerable. And to respect that your collaborators are putting themselves on the line and respect them as people and as professionals and do your own work. And I think what you said about people pushing back and trying to take back the collaborative, the collaborative process for themselves has to do with the fact that everyone, the, the stakes in the process are very high 
for everyone. Everyone is uh, going to put themselves out there to be judged on their part of the process. And an audience may not be able to distinguish between the actor's part and the director's part and the writer's part. They may, but someone who is negatively affecting your part of the process is affecting your career. Your, you know, uh, there's somebody from the audience may be coming there to cast you in something. They may be coming to review you. You know, your a potential agent might be coming to see it, and so everybody else. It's not like you can be good by yourself with, you know, ignoring all the chaos around you. You need those people to come along with you to have something worth showing, and so that people you know, can, can make a good judgment. And so I think when things start to fall apart, people get um, nervous and angry that, that their, their part of the, the work is going to be trampled in some way and it's going to negatively affect them ultimately. And yet I think that within that, very often, except in really extreme circumstances, the idea of really identifying what is your job, what are you here to do, and focus on doing that as well as possible is very often going to be your best bet. Um, because frankly, sometimes, and we will talk, we should talk about the time, sometimes conflict is necessary. Sometimes putting your foot down and saying, we cannot continue to work this way is necessary. But very often, you know, it's about kind of assessing the situation, saying this person is bothering me, for lack of a better word, in this way, that way, and the other way, but is that really impinging on my ability to do my work? If it is not, or if it is not seriously impinging, you might be best off focusing on what you're there for and letting that dissipate rather than letting it be the thing that you dread coming into rehearsal for. And I think that that idea of the collaborative process is a similar, you know, idea to a baseball team, you know, and that if you're uh, the center fielder for the baseball team and you're feeling like the pitcher is not doing a good job at their job, you could spend a lot of time staring at the back of their head and being angry at them for, you know, letting people hit the ball. Or you could really focus on what your job is and be sure to snag every fly that comes out to where you are. Um, and especially if you're interested in the, um, you know, in the final product of it. Because that idea of if all of a sudden everybody is interested in being the one who's pitching, nobody's going to be covering any of the bases uh, and it's going to fall apart. And frankly, a team is much better off with a lousy pitcher but everyone else playing their positions really well than a bunch of people who are not really pitchers trying to pitch. Um, you know, and so, you know, so that idea of, you know, one, respecting each other's space can be something that can be helpful to keep relationships from being contentious in any way. But similarly, having the, the uh, perspective to say, okay, this person is not pitching well, but is that actually impacting my ability to play center field? And then acting accordingly. Because sometimes if they've turned around and are hurling balls at you, then yes, you have to say something. You have right. to do something. Um, but, uh, but to really assess whether or not that's a thing. Because it is a thing about it takes at least two people to have a fight. You know, and you need not attend every battle you're invited to. <laughs> and, you know, that idea of making 
the choice and the assessment of even if you are in an unideal situation, is it still a workable situation? And assessing the situation and seeing is trying to enforce on the other person who is making it less than an ideal situation that they should make it an ideal situation? Is that confrontation with them going to actually make it a worse situation than it currently is? Is an important thing to have the discipline and maturity to assess in that situation. Because I like to think I'm fairly good at assessing that, although I have had one or two situations where I've decided, you know what, this will just be better off if we just lay down the law with this person, and, and then I did, and then I wished that I had not uh, in a very significant way. And um, it's just important to look at the situation for what it is and act accordingly. That's a, a good point, and I agree. And it, it is often a judgment call of do I engage or choose not to engage? And do I have all of the necessary information? Uh, to what extent am I... Well, maybe I'll put it this way, that a lot of the types of rifts or misunderstandings that can come up in a rehearsal process that we've mentioned around the table today seem to stem from, as many misunderstandings and rifts do, from a lack of communication, which is... Know, can take the form of we don't know or an individual or a group of people don't know what to expect in the rehearsal room or where the line is drawn with respect to our individual roles in a production or what is the shared goal of this group in the process, um, which are sometimes things that go articulated, sometimes things that become part of the culture, uh, either purposefully or not purposefully. But I think the first step with any of these is always communication, and that takes in the same way... Um, that Kit mentioned, you know, you, you, you're, when you're faced with that judgment call, it can take two, two forms. I think every collaborative artist, especially going into a field like the theater, has a responsibility to be a good communicator. And sometimes that means being able to articulate your point of view and your hopes for your role in whichever role you are in in a production, but also um, to even set yourself up to be a collaborator that can deal with misunderstandings by also making yourself into a skilled interpreter in the room to, mm -hmm. or a translator to be able to, if you are working with somebody that, ha that speaks a different creative language or thinks about something in a different way than you do or has a different training background or is inexperienced or is not as experienced as they think they are or is very experienced and is not interested in using other language than the one that, that, they're, that they want to speak in. Um, to make yourself the one who is in the position to say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to engage in a way that allows us both, if, is this a workable situation, right? But to make more situations workable for yourself mm -hmm. by putting yourself in a position to work with myriad types of collaborators, mm -hmm. as difficult as that sometimes might be. And I think actually something that can be a very helpful question to ask yourself is, is this my fight to have? Because sometimes it's just a very difficult room, can, it can become a difficult room to be in because two people are having a conflict. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, you need to assess, is this my fight to have? That said, I actually think 
potentially a little counterintuitively to that. Sometimes when the answer is no, you are actually in a position to solve the problem if you approach it as not a fight. If these two people are having a fight and I can arrive with a solution, I can arrive with some insight for one person or another about what the other person might have in their mind uh, so that they can understand each other, try to bring empathy to the situation. But there is, I think, there can be a real tendency if two people are having a difficult relationship and it's impacting the way you're working and the working environment you have that you want to come in guns blazing to shut it down. But actually, that will just exacerbate it. You know, but especially, frankly, if you're the director or you're the producer, you have a real responsibility to do that. And I also would say, just as a general thought, if you're not the director or the producer, if you are someone who is, who is a colleague, friend, ally of one of the combative parties, and they want to come to you to talk to you about the problem they're having, take that opportunity to help bring empathy to the situation. Because it's a very, very, very easy thing to do in that moment to say, oh God, I know, isn't she difficult to work with? Um, but that doesn't help. That doesn't help. And you also are in a position not to say, why don't you just suck it up and deal with it, but to say, well, let's figure out how we can make this work. Because one of the combatants, for lack of a better word, has invited you into their end of the conversation. And frankly, even if you think the other person is wrong, it still will make the, uh, you know, will make the uh, uh, working environment a better one if you can help the person who is coming to you understand how they can make the situation better. The working environment, I think, is really key. Because if, if there are folks in a production that have found something that trumps the collective goal of the people working on a project, that means I think that the working environment is one that, for whatever reason, and this might not always be the case, but one that doesn't necessarily value that collective, that collective goal. We've found something more important, you know, than, than the reason we're all in the room together. And often uh, a good starting point for, in my, in my experience, for dealing with, with these types of situations is to reaffirm or, or to, in the same sense, especially if you're not, not one of the uh, involved parties, one of the engaged parties, to, um, to reaffirm the reason that brings everybody into the room in the first place that um, can hopefully trump whatever disagreements are occurring, or at least to realign the discussion along those guidelines rather than who did what to whom at what point and when somebody said something about whoever's hmm. favorite band <laughs> and or mother, you know. And one thing that I have found in situations that get difficult, and again, actually, I think it's worth saying, I have personally had wonderful relationships and experiences in almost every show that I've done. But actually, part of the reason that um, it's worth talking about is of the six or seven shows that I've had that have had difficult things, they haunt me to a degree. There is having a really difficult uh, uh, collaboration on a project that matters to you is really one of the most challenging situations to be in and one of the most difficult situations to be in, which is, again, why it's worth talking about. But there have been... And as you were saying before, Jersey, that there are ways um, 
you know, that collaboration has come to work. There are job descriptions of, you know, the way who is responsible for what that don't overlap. And a lot of the reason that those job descriptions have evolved the way they have is because they make for both a productive and pleasant working environment generally when people are abiding by I am an actor playing this role I am not the actor playing the role that Jenny is playing and therefore I should let Jenny be concerned about that role as an example but something that I have found on the occasion where one must address the issue is that I have said on several occasions to people that what you are doing is inappropriate it is not your job. I mean, it's a fairly confrontational way to go about it. I mean, it lays it on the table. But what I've found about that terminology is, one, there's something about being told that what you're doing is inappropriate that backs you off a little bit. Because it's not a matter of, I don't like it, it's not, but that there is some other judgment that exists. That it's not a matter of you're doing something against me, but there are rules that are not being followed. And frankly, usually often when people are not abiding by those ways that things are done, it's because they don't know. And if they don't know, very often it's because they're not especially experienced. I have found, and I have just found that that idea actually makes people stop a little bit, but then allows you to have a conversation not about what you, Jenny, are doing today, but what is an actor supposed to do in rehearsal. Let us have a discussion about the role of the actor in rehearsal. We can, ha we can talk about that without even talking about what you just said to Jen. We can talk about that. We can agree to that is what an actor is and is not supposed to be doing in rehearsal and now can we agree that moving forward you will not be giving her notes on her lines. Terrific. Okay, moving on. Because the more in a situation like that that you can take the focus off of the specifics of what has just happened and the specific people who have just done it and turn instead the focus on what are the rules that we can all agree to to having a pleasant experience with each other. It's the veil of ignorance. D let us agree you would not like another actor giving you notes on your scene. Terrific. Then let's just say actors won't give each other notes on their scenes. Moving forward. And that way, again, that's a conversation that you can go back to and say, we discussed and agreed to the guideline that there were not going to be actors giving each other notes on their scenes, so can you please stop that? Um, instead of saying, quit it because you're being bad. It's because, again, very often when people don't abide by the way that things are done, it's because they don't know any better. You can help them know. And, and or um, are so gosh darn excited about the process that's happening that they want to be a part of it. And, hey, playwright, what could I say this instead? Or could we put this thing on the set? Or what if I was in a special for this <laughs> monologue? Or, hey, actor, why don't you stand over here? I'm the costume designer. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would know. be a great rule in rehearsal. At the end, at the end of every sentence, you announce your role in the process. That would actually probably eliminate a lot of these misunderstandings. It'd be a nice little reminder. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm actually, a, on a side note, I'm a, a big fan of the veil of ignorance as a um, 
as a tactic. <laughs> well, just because it it, diff, it diffuses the the confrontation from the confrontation and sort of realigns the conversation again around the stated goals. So you're gonna you know the thing of I don't know what's been going on here, but let's all agree that we are here to work on a play. And something actually that you as a director can do is if you see that there are beginning to be problems, yeah. you're, especially if you're a director, you're in a position to do this. Other people can do it. But that you can actually frame the rules of how people deal with each other in rehearsal as the rules of this rehearsal process. That you can say, if for instance you see actors starting to give each other notes, say, all right, we're going to work today. And you know, something that I think is really going to help us in this process, because there are things that I know Jenny's working on, the things I know Jersey's working on. I would just, I just think it's really helpful in this process if we're not talking to each other about each other's characters. Okay, so that's moving forward. I, I, I want to, you know, which is frankly, you're not supposed to anyway. But... And again, it's a matter of what battle do you want to pull up to? Yeah. Is it a matter of do I want to have the battle of teaching Jenny how to behave in rehearsal or do I want to see that her idea of how she wants to act in rehearsal not impact this process? But that's a very real, that's a very real question. Um, I don't have time or energy to teach this man to fish, so I'm going <laughs> to give him a fish <laughs> and let somebody else teach him to fish. Well, but, but that's a very real thing. If you're oh, yeah. talking about we have three weeks to do this show, maybe teaching Jenny the rules of how to behave. Jenny behaves very well in rehearsal. She's incredibly professional. But teaching Jenny about how a professional actor works in rehearsal, it may not be a very useful productive use of our time. That said, if I am directing a show at a university and Jen is a student actor, that actually may very well be exactly the appropriate use of that time. Um, you know, and again, it's a matter of looking at what is the situation and what is it that I want to do, and or if it's Jenny is someone who I think is a really terrific actor, but I see is misbehaving, quote unquote, and I have heard she's done it in other rehearsal processes, then it might be in my special interest to actually make it an issue of let's talk about how one behaves in rehearsal rather than keeping this rehearsal process positive in terms of the specific goals of, of this show. Let's talk a bit about um, specific uh, relationships that exist in a rehearsal process and the complications that might arise in those and how to address them. In an actor-actor situation, where there are two actors, what are the potential challenges and issues that can arise in the rehearsal process between two actors? Hey, Jenny, I really need to get um, a lot further during the scene, so if you could give me a little bit more <laughs> so that I, you would really help me get there. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be... That would be directing other actors yeah, yeah. to a degree. But even that about, because um, I, th I think a lot of people would understand that it wouldn't be appropriate for you to tell Jenny where to stand. But I think you're right that a lot of actors do feel much more free saying, can you give me more of what I need in this situation? Could you really hit that word because I need to hear that so that I can... Do I've built an entire backstory based around my mother's rock band. <laughs> if you could really, when you say band, if you could say make that very way. clear. <laughs> yeah. That, that 
begins to verge on inappropriate. So what do you do if you are an actor in a rehearsal setting and other actors begin directing you? What I would say, I mean, I think this is the point, the word for, for the day, I, I think for me is becoming consider because, or assess, but consider whether or not it's worth engaging uh, or setting, to, you know, putting your foot down or drawing a line and consider the person that you're working with and if this is a person who might not know better or who might have in a moment of excitement or unsure boundaries you know might have overstepped the line and maybe just needs a gentle coded reminder or an explicit reminder or just a smile and a nod and uh, i'm gonna deal with this on my own and not let it get to me uh you know i think that depends on if there's because i've you know, been in situations where there's a kind of a culture in the room of it, or whether it's uh, a particular uh, actor that might be working in that way, but um, I think it's per the situation, really, is, is the way to deal with it. But the way that hopefully maintains the integrity of the project and the rehearsal process while maintaining the integrity of yourself as a person at the same time. Yeah, and I think to that end, I mean, I don't think I would, you know, become combative with that person or engage them in that kind of thing. But I might go to the director or the stage manager mm -hmm. and, and mention it so that if it is brought up or whatever, it's not like this person told me or, you know, it's, it's, it's handled in a responsible and safe way. And it's not me back talking to the actor and it's not me necessarily having to deal with it for the rest of the four weeks. Um, but I do think it's something where you could go, to the person in charge in the room and talk to them privately about it, potentially. And then the director says, no, Jenny, they're asking you not to step on their foot. That's totally <laughs> fair. That's totally you should fair. not be stepping on their foot. Yeah. Fair. And also, you actually can do that same thing, not privately. And I don't mean run and tattle out loud, but if you're in a rehearsal where the director is there, and they, somebody says to you, well, could you hit this word to turn to the director and say, um, what do you think about that, Jenny? You know, but there is something about, there's a, a, not to say it like, tell them to stop, but to actually ask the question of, is that what you would like me to do? Because A, it might remind the other person in the room that that is actually the person to whom they should be addressing their concerns, not you directly. Um, but also, frankly, it can remind the director that it's their job to be giving you notes and not other people's jobs to be giving you notes. And that's the thing I actually wouldn't say to immediately the second they say it, turn to the director and say that. But if they say something like that in front of a director and the director does not intervene, you actually might want to put it out there that you would like them to. Um, because it's appropriate for the director to say, don't do that. Which is actually, it brings up, and it's not quite in this relationship, but something that can happen in, the, in a director-actor relationship is when an actor is coming to you asking you to give adjustments to another actor. Oh, that's very interesting. I just looked around and saw the actors in the room very surprised that that happens. That happens fairly often. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts about how, as a director, one might deal with that? Well... No. <laughs> people do that? No, people and people do that yeah, often. Do. And Jenny, yeah, you've yeah. worked with me. And I mean, it happens a lot that they say, 
this is, I, I'm having a problem with this line. Could you ask them to yell at me on the line before? Or can you get them to come at me harder in the scene? That oh. happens. Yeah, um, that does. Yeah, okay. Uh, fair, yeah, fairly frequently. And frankly, for me, when they come to me with that, I have two reactions, two things to consider, which is one, is it a good idea? Because it candidly might be something where, you know what, this does need to be ratcheted up, and if they came harder at them on that line, that might be helpful to the scene. And also, the concern about the fact that actors need to respect each other's territory and each other's characters, and frankly, in a rehearsal room, an actor needs to be dealing as their character with whatever is being thrown at them. And frankly, I would want to deal with both of those issues. And I might say to the actor, I hear what your concern is. There actually is a note that I, I am thinking about giving so-and-so, and I'll give it, we'll see what will happen. You know, not, yes, I will pass on your note, but there is a note that, that uh, I'm going to give them, and we're going to see how that happens. But let's talk about the fact, what is your issue in that moment? What are you not able to get to? Let's talk about strategies about how you could get to the place you need to get to even if the other person doesn't change their performance. You know, and because that addresses both issues. Again, one of the things that I, I think, again, that idea about not, uh, not attending every battle that you're invited to is sometimes an actor might have an idea that is not a bad idea, that, is, uh, you know, that isn't about their particular character, you know, that's talking about you know, especially, you know, if they say, you know what, I'm noticing the costume that person is wearing, doesn't that confuse us because of X, Y, and Z? I mean, frankly, A, you thank God that they came and talked to you instead of going to the costume designer about it, if you're the director, you know, but they might be right. And similarly, frankly, if you see it play a, a, if you're a director and you see an actor going up to the costume designer and saying this other person's costume would it be, might it be confusing to us? You A, need to let the actor know you really need to talk to me about concerns like that. But also, just because it came inappropriately doesn't mean it's not a smart idea. And, you know, that idea of being able to, especially as a director, although frankly as an actor, to be able to separate, or a designer or anyone, to separate those two things and deal with them separately, which is one, what is the idea? Two, how is it the idea came? You know, because frankly, even you can have, get your back up very easily, and you're absolutely right to as an actor, if another actor gives you a note, and you want to make sure that it's clear that you're not looking for that from them. That said, you also want to think about, is that actually a helpful thing? It may be. It may be. Don't do yourself the damage of discounting a smart insight just because it was given to you inappropriately. And... You know, I, I, I've been in the situation as an actor, and I don't know if you guys will have as well, but of being the person who, and not necessarily with respect to, hey, what's the deal with this costume? Don't we want to change it? But if you're in a position where you feel for whatever need or whatever the circumstances are, that there is something that verges on inappropriate or outside of the boundaries that have been set or that as you interpret them or as others do, to that's the person that you go to is the director you know that if if there is something about a costume or a thing or a, the set thing or something that another actor is doing that makes you feel unsafe or inappropriate or, you know whatever the case may be 
that there's there, there's a reason there's a person in the room who at whom the buck stops. That's the person that you need to approach in the room or in the process uh, is your director. And there really is a, a chain of command to this. The stage manager is also a person an actor could approach depending on the particular challenge that's on the table. But other than that, it's yeah. those are the people that you're allowed to go to as an actor. You know, it's funny, as we're going through this and we have a couple other versions of relationships in the given production to um, to talk about yet, but it seems like if you were to listen to some of the other episodes of this podcast, you know, like it's considering the work that goes into collaboration, the responsibility of the individuals in the room, which is frankly what we're often talking about around this table, that I haven't heard anything yet, maybe with the possible exception of tactics to pull yourself out of a situation or to deal with a situation that um, that are new ideas or that don't exist in other episodes when we're talking about rehearsal etiquette or collaborating or being a hyphenate which you know is a situation in which a lot of these things come up mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is frankly interesting like if you arm yourself and you you know consider the options and the worthiness of the fight and whether or not you want to get involved you know really basic thoughtful communicative, communicative collaboration would have often eliminated the need for a confrontation, I think, in most likely every instance that I've had one. But not, not all, but most. What do you do when you're an actor and the other actors or another actor is coming in chronically unprepared for rehearsal? They don't know their lines, they don't know their blocking, um, potentially they don't seem to plan to know their lines or their blocking. <laughs> Or they're late. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that I keep in mind is that I'm not the only person frustrated by that in the room. So that's one of those times where I don't think it's my job to speak up about that particular issue because I can't be the only person who's noticing. If it continues to go on, I might, I might approach the director or the stage manager about. Um, clarifying the, guide, the, the deadline for being off book or whatever the case may be um, and maybe expressing a little bit of frustration about it to them but in general that's one of the times where I have to count on the fact that everybody in the room sees this issue and it's somebody else's role in the room to address it. Yeah. And I think something, and I mean, I, I think that's absolutely true. You're not generally going to be working with a director who doesn't notice it. But sometimes it is your place as an actor to say to the director, the time has come to deal with this. It is impacting my work in such a way that... Because another thing that's just a helpful thing to realize about a director who, at, the more we talk about it, is more and more and more the person who is the person who needs to arbitrate most of these things in a professional uh, situation, uh, or sometimes the stage manager. But something that I think is worthwhile to remember as an actor or someone else is that very often they are dealing with things that you are not aware of. That there may be things that they know about what what is going on in this actor's personal life. They may know something about something the producer has told them. They may know something about that we are concerned about the fact that we might lose 
our rehearsal space three days next week, so it doesn't matter who's memorized. We don't have time to stop and talk about it because we need to get the show blocked while we're in this space. You never quite know what it is that, that the director knows that you don't know. The one thing that you should be absolutely assured of as an actor is that the director and stage manager know things that you don't know. So that's part of why it is, though, important to say that the director, for instance, may be taking something into consideration that's true about a given actor and giving them more leeway, but they also need to know at some point what's going on for you. That if you are saying, I am at a point that if people are not off book, if I keep crossing over to the desk and there are people sitting at the desk who were supposed to cross four lines ago, I don't know how I can keep doing my work. That's important information to share with the director because sometimes the director does have to balance the needs, always, the needs of different people in the room. Mm -hmm. um, and so to put that need out there, again, frankly, I think a polite and civilized way to put it and one that's considerate to the director, instead of saying, Jersey doesn't know his blocking, to say, I'm finding that the blocking isn't clear and I feel like I know where I'm going. Can you help me with that? Can you, uh, you know, is, is something that is a big relief to a director to hear that rather than Jersey is disrupting my rehearsal process because then you're dealing with an interpersonal problem as well as, you know, a, a, an issue of someone doesn't know they're blocking. Because I can absolutely guarantee you, again, as you said, Jen, the director knows who the person is who doesn't know they're blocking. I'm much more comfortable when you use Jenny as the... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Kit, what I love that you said there was put that need out there, that if you're acknowledging that the, the director is somebody who is managing the various needs of the folks in the room in the process to... It, it does the same thing of realign the conversation around what the collective goal is in the room rather than make it about the fact that I never get up from the desk at the right line, mm -hmm. but rather because if the director is juggling multiple needs, it may be something that falls by the wayside or isn't, you know, but if it's something that really is, is, is uh, preventing you from doing the kind of work that you need to be doing, putting the need out there as one of many things and acknowledging that it's one of many things that's on the table. But as long as you, uh, you, you can be to some extent satisfied that, it, that the, the person who needs to know knows that it is important to you that this is clarified, will give you a little bit of peace of mind and hopefully a result that will work out wonderfully for everyone. And I also think, I'm not sure exactly why that brings me to this idea, but something that I think is important to try to not do is don't blow off steam with other people involved in the process. If you need to go home and tell your girlfriend about how hard rehearsal was today, if you need to talk to your best friend about it, if you need to talk to your roommate about it, if you need to call your parents, that is totally something sometimes people need to do. But to blow off steam about another actor to a fellow actor, to go to a director who has a million things on their mind, to complain about another actor to get it off your chest 
is not helpful. Not to say you should not talk to the director about an issue you're having with it, or a stage manager about an issue you're having with a fellow actor, but to come to them with something that they can help you solve rather than to ask them to listen to you. Because again, there is, you do need to sometimes just talk out loud about things that are going on in your life. But if you find yourself talking out loud about it to a fellow actor in the dressing room who then takes their turn to talk out loud about their problem with the same actor, which reminds you of the thing you think about this fourth actor, which gets them talking about the way in which the director should be stopping this, and then you start talking about the way in which this is just top to bottom, an unprofessional situation, and I don't know why I'm wasting my time here, that can get out of control really quickly if you decide that the people who are working on this project are the people who you're going to vent your personal frustrations about it to. You absolutely need to be talking to each other, but talking to each other about how to solve the issues, not just about the fact that they exist. Yeah. I've done that. And I wish I hadn't. No, I think it's incredibly tempting because there's someone who knows the situation potentially right. or knows the player. So when you go home and tell your roommate, it's harder because they don't know what right. the other person is doing. But it, and yeah, everybody it wants to get it off their chest or talk yeah. about it or am I the only one? Am I all alone in noticing this? Mm -hmm. And in the moment, it can be incredibly satisfying. Like, oh, I'm so glad that somebody understands. But I've never been in a situation, and I don't do it anymore because I've never been in a situation where that turned out well for the vibe in the room the next day or keeping focus on the task at hand, then every moment with whichever person is between whom you have a rift, every moment is about that aspect of the relationship other, rather than the 95% of the working relationship that isn't about that thing and is about working on this thing that you're working on together. Um, so I, I will cop to having been guilty of that in the past, and but learning my lesson that it, it, it's although it's really satisfying sometimes in the moment and you feel like you are getting up your chest because it's a real need, um, especially in the creative process, that it can be incrementally destructive or toxic to the, to the room. Yeah, and it really poisons your relationship with the person you're confiding in because they're no longer a colleague. They are now an ally in this battle in the room. And they begin to take on a different role than the one you would like them to have. Right. Um, you know, and I mean, I know there have been, I mean, again, I've had fairly limited uh, rehearsal processes that were really, truly difficult. But there's one that I have in mind, again, that involved several people here. But I know Jen, who was not involved in the process, knew all about a lot of stuff that was going on that the people in this room who were who actually were involved in the process had no idea until after it was over and i think you guys know the process i'm talking about and i think it is fair to say it would have been disruptive for you to have known all of what was going on while the process Absolutely. was happening um, and certainly, again, Jen, uh, the other Jen, uh, who was involved in the process, has been a very longtime friend and collaborator of mine and is somebody who I would have loved to have talked about some of the things that were going on behind the scenes. But it really would have made the situation much worse, I think, across the board and certainly would have made your, your work as an actor much more difficult if you were aware of some of the things that were being said by the producer and one of the other actors while you were in the process. I think that's one of the, the key factors in balancing all these challenges is that is, is the idea of not t 
tainting or making the room toxic because there's a stereotype or of you know the fragile actor but when you're working at the edge of of what you're capable of things can throw you off and it's not that you are a you know a fragile person it's just like you can't do your best work if things are crazy around you so a lot of the director's job is hiding the things that are crazy so that it seems less crazy to the people so you can have a civil relationship with someone who is secretly crazy you know and it doesn't affect your work so i think you know that's something as a director you have to deal with is is not tipping things into conflict and keep it like just you know it it may be totally out of line what they've refused to do at this point in the rehearsal they're like going against you as a director but they still you still need to rehearse with them for a week and tech starts you know in two days and it's just better to swallow your pride and like make it work rather than cause a confrontation at that point even if you're in the right it you know there are there are times when the balance goes to keeping the room as even as possible even if somebody is totally out of line and it's not you you know i think that a lot of the situations come back to that is like keeping 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 the room safe and not toxic yeah you know who said that about the fragile actor i guess they was somebody in the company yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> But the the thing that I'm realizing in this moment is that's ex that essentially that um, behind the scenes venting, as satisfying as it is, it's essentially doing the opposite of of what we've been talking about today, which is decentralizing the process from the argument and making the room about the shared goal. The confrontation in question might be a question that needs to be answered in pursuit of the ultimate goal of making this play great. Uh, or film or what have you, but to even in secret, you know, or after rehearsal gets out at the bar or whatever, to talk to the designer, the fellow cast members about this issue can foster a room that is centralized around that issue. It's essentially doing the exact opposite of solving the problem. It's taking the entire mechanism of the the process and zeroing in on the problem yeah which is not usually the best way to go about dealing with it. well because that becomes so I mean I mean I think that's exactly right and I think that that idea of if my conflict is with Jenny in the rehearsal process well every time I'm rehearsing a scene with Jenny that's a problem but if I have made my relationship with Jersey about us teaming up against Jenny which I've certainly seen happen in rehearsal settings, that even at a rehearsal that Jenny is not at, our relationship is still about our alliance against Jenny. I mean, that that's how we begin to identify ourselves when we come in this room. And it's, yeah, it, it, it just, it, it turns the process into something other than working. Because even, even as, as responsible and even as wrong as Jenny may be, in in her transgressions in the process, <laughs> when I'm working with her, if it's if it's if we if we have a beef and I'm working with her, it's all about that. 
And when I'm working with you and our scene, kid, it's all about how we're not doing the thing that Jenny, not all about, but there's an aspect of it. It's like, now we're going to do things the right way because our no, relationships define like on the riff right. rather than on the thing that's the same. And something that I have seen happen in circumstances like this is that if, Jenny, you have a conflict with Jersey because he has been terrible in this case, <laughs> um, that... I have seen people begin to root for the other person to fail, which in a collaborative art is not what you want. The play is not going to be better if Jersey is bad in his part. And if that's something that Jenny is rooting for because they have some personal conflict in the process, I mean, it really, it's a, it is... I mean, even frankly, as we're talking about that, it's how insidious it can become. You know, because you're because there's a lot of ways in which, again, you as an actor or you as a director or you as a writer are somehow less separable from your job than many other professions. I mean, certainly, if any profession you care about, you pour yourself into. But that idea of you really bringing yourself to a scene, which is basically what, you know, 70% of the episodes of this podcast have been about, is one way or another that you can really be fundamentally you in a truthful way in a scene with another person being fundamentally them, and you two have, don't want to be in a room together, it, how can you possibly do your work effectively in that environment? Something I'm actually, I'm, I'm very curious about what you guys think about, because candidly, as I was thinking about we were going to talk about this today, one of the things that I thought about was, well, what if you're in a process where you just have a different working process than other people? And yet, what I found as I thought about it is, I've been in a lot of processes where people work in different ways that have been very healthy. So... But I don't know. Is that, is that actually something? Because I honestly will, as soon as we started thinking about it, that, well, that might be something to talk about. Is it something that you guys have found in your working experience does cause conflict and challenge in a rehearsal setting? I think it can be if there is a no, no respect for the different approach. Like if, if someone really likes to do improv and someone is like, that's like you know wacky stuff like don't don't improv around me I'm not gonna improv with you if you need that you're weak as an actor like then <laughs> you know then there's a conflict between approaches but if it's like if 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 it's like mm, that's that doesn't I don't need that but if you you know maybe we can do some of that or like I actually need this time alone before so you know if people can respect the differences you can have two different approaches, but if someone starts to look down on and talk against the way that you approach as if their approach is so far superior to yours that they don't understand why you bother, then that, that starts that same to toxicity. I think um, I was very lucky to, in my, my training, train under somebody who really put that at the center of collaboration, you know, the ability to work with people with other backgrounds or other processes. While at the same time, this is my great teacher and mentor, uh, Gerald Friedman, implemented his vocabulary and way of talking about 
acting work and rehearsal process in a program with teachers from many different backgrounds, Meisner background and mask and movement background and dance and, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, so for an educational setting, there was an established vocabulary that became a, a common language that we could all use when talking about the work because we were all in process and working on it. And then also, I think the, the, the way that he put it best was, this is your responsibility to do the work that you do it in the way that you that you see fit and works for you and it will evolve. But you are going to be working with, the vast majority of people you're gonna be working with do not share this vocabulary or your particular way of working. No one will 100%. And if you have to do Midsummer Night's Dream in a white void in a mermaid costume and your director wants to base it entirely on the color of the sky that day, how they want to direct the show, you have to find a way in within that to to do your work. That the that what, whatever your process is is your responsibility and not the responsibility of your collaborators. And to find the way. And honestly, you, what you will gain from that is also a strengthening of your approach and your ability to deal with a challenging situation, challenging circumstance. And then another, and, and so there's there's the the translation aspect of it, and then there's also from the point of view of a director in the room or 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 uh, an actor to some extent, what is the vocabulary of a given process that there's an opportunity to establish in terms of the culture of the room. What is what is the what are we doing here? How how are we talking about the work that we're doing? To be able to articulate the vocabulary that you use, and to be able to learn the vocabulary that the other actors use and learn the vocabulary that the director uses. Because I think when I have seen that become an issue in rehearsal is when you've got, sort of like Jen said, you know, somebody who's clinging to the way they work as the only way or the best way, but certainly to the way they work as to the exclusion of all other actors' processes. And the idea that you you really need to figure out how to communicate with that actor, even if that actor is not going to figure out how to communicate with you. Right. And it's something I think directors can be helpful for. I mean, because actually part of what I was thinking is part of the reason I wonder if it's not become issues in rehearsals that I have been a part of is that generally I have been a director in those rehearsals. And it actually is something that I take very seriously as part of my part of my process is to give everyone else's process room to move. You know, and that idea of if I assess there's this Jenny as an actor really likes to work with improv, I'll be sure we have an opportunity to do improv. But again, it's giving her a chance to do it, but also that it's coming from the director. It's not saying Jenny has to ask for an improv, but to say I can see in this exploratory week of rehearsal we're going to be doing Jenny would benefit from some improv time, so we'll make room for that. Because I also find a lot of times actors tend just to be much better trained to try different things at the behest of a director than they would be at the behest of another actor. And it's actually something that I say at the beginning of every process is this time is, especially the exploratory part of rehearsal, is not just my time, it is all of our time. And if there's anything that would be helpful to you, come and talk to me before or after rehearsal and let me know. But I actually very specifically say it that way, that it's not just yell out. 
but it's come talk to me before or after rehearsal because that way other people don't necessarily know where the fact that we're doing improv is coming from. But again, they tend, to, I find, to be much more, um, you know, you know, even if they're not that into doing improv, much more willing to do it for the sake of the director than for another actor. What about situations? And this actually is something I have found to be at the center of a number of challenging rehearsal processes. Not just actor, actor, but also actor, director, actor, writer, producer, writer, producer, actor. What do you do in situations where people who are part of the process are dating or married or together in some way? Or situations where they have in the past been together? That's a good one. Hmm. I think mostly... I would behave as if they weren't. That everyone comes in their specific role and, you know, if the boyfriend is the lighting guy and girlfriend is the actress, like, whatever it is, like, that's what their role is. I mean, those two wouldn't necessarily have, like, direct collaboration in that case and an actor and a lighting person, but um, I, I would behave as if they only had their role within my mind knowing that they have a relationship and that might affect things but i would assume that they were behaving professionally not discussing things that they don't need to discuss necessarily about the other person but also knowing that it's possible and it might affect things so i guess that's how i would approach people who are together and if i mean if they're used to be together that's I guess it's a, something to be sensitive about but also assume that everyone in the room is going to behave professionally and not tiptoe yeah I mean it feels in some ways a lot like the other types of situations that we've been talking about because there's a responsibility on the part of the person coming into the situation if you know that that's the case or you know that that's something you're uncomfortable with or sometimes it's unavoidable to know it and to know how you're going to deal with it or, and, but also, if you're the person that is in the relationship, that is in the process, there's a responsibility you come with as well, which is to show up and do your work and do the thing and not make it a thing. Um, and then if it becomes a thing, the response to that thing uh, should be considered and sensitive and in the best interest of the whole process. It's also interesting because I think in the case of like if the director was dating or married or whatever to an actor and I was having a particularly hard time with that actor maybe I would choose to talk to the stage manager first and have the stage manager relay that or if I knew that that was a particularly this guy push, is horrible. push it down the yeah. field <laughs> but you, you talk to them about their wife <laughs> no I think that's a good approach I mean it does it, it's, it, it's in line but it's also like that's, that's the appropriate person to talk to is the stage manager so mm -hmm. I think it's the veil of ignorance is once again very useful in this scenario. Mm -hmm. um, that's a real, real nice tool. Yeah, I also think that there is something about this that points actually back to what we were talking about earlier about how venting and discussing the process can poison the process. Because I think very rarely will a couple go home together and not talk about what happened at rehearsal that day. Um, but the thing, I mean, it really is, as I think about the five or six difficult processes I've had, 
at least three of them have had a a married or or relationed closely relationed couple at the center of it and one of the things that i have found you know to be the case and i think it has to do with the idea of that a good collaboration is based on treating people at, with respect and as collaborative equals and all of this but the idea that i have found very often that the people who are part of that couple feel as though they can speak for two that they have twice as loud a voice as everyone else because they've gone home and talked to Bill last night about how they're both upset about this and therefore they and therefore their voice counts twice as much as everyone else's. And frankly, if the two of them are talking at the same time, their voice counts for four times as much as everyone else's because they both feel that their voice counts as, as two. And that really is something that, again, has been... A, and and it's it's something that sometimes you just really need to deal with head on. I mean, I have had to have a conversation several times, which is horribly uncomfortable to say you and Sally are not a unit in this room and you must stop behaving like one, which again, usually that doesn't fix the problem, but at least you can go back to when that becomes the issue, you can say it's happening again and have a discussion about what's actually happening. But it, it, it's, it can be a, a real challenge, and I think anybody who is in a couple and is working with people just need to be extra, extra aware of, of what that can do to, to a room, and not let it do it to the room. I've also worked with couples who are perfectly wonderful. Right. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, that's just, just something to, to be aware of and to be cautious of, frankly, and frankly, potentially to talk about ahead of time. I mean, I, I actually, one situation that I think might have been bad, that wasn't bad, it didn't end up being, it ended up being actually a pretty terrific situation, was where a, a husband and wife pair, where the husband was producing the show, and the idea when they were hiring me was that the wife was going to play the lead in the show. And I, frankly, had a, bit, a very frank discussion with them at the beginning about what that was going to mean. And, you know, and let us be clear about what the producer has to say about my relationship with it and really laid it out and I think actually looking back on that having had that discussion up front and not being like because you're bad people just saying this is a complicated situation and we should talk about it before it gets complicated mm -hmm. rather than talk about it when it gets complicated the slightly difficult and uncomfortable conversation that was sitting in their living room before they hired me to do the show and before or after they'd offered it but before I accepted the job I think was probably much less uncomfortable, certainly was much less uncomfortable in some conversations I've had to have with a married producer and actor pair or married actor pair. Hmm. I think those um, relationship issues can, can be some of the most uh, uncomfortable or complicated to deal with in a process. So I would always hope that if it were me who was the one entering a process as part of a relationship or as somebody who knew that that was the case, um, I would, I think the much of the responsibility I would hope would fall on that pair, that couple, you know, to, to take that extra care, to be extra observant, considerate, and professional responsible. That isn't always the case, I think, because it is difficult. But I think particularly with with that uh, with that one, I would hope that the the. I don't want to say the offending parties. It's not offending to be in a but the onus is wonderful, on them. loving relationship with somebody. But. And there's a, a couple who I know, a pair of actors, who I directed in two different shows before I knew they were together. 
Right. And, like, I think they handled it really well. They weren't keeping it a secret, but it just, it wasn't important. And then, you know, we went out for a drink after a show one night, and they said, oh, we're going to catch a cab. And I said, oh, do you live near each other? I said, oh, we've lived together for five years. Oh, I didn't know that because it wasn't important to our working relationship. I just knew them as two people who clearly knew each other coming into the process and who were pleasant to work with. I mean, that's a, if, if, if a couple is going to work together, they have to learn how to navigate that. And I think, I mean, it can go to the other side where they're like extra harsh with each other, which is also uncomfortable. Yes. Um, and directing each other at home, which actually is something I've run into, which is really, yeah. that is a place where I have just flat out had to say, stop talking to each other about the play at home. And I mean, that's difficult, but you have to sometimes. But it, if, if you're going to enter into a situation where you're in a relationship with someone and working with them, you have to be able to navigate that in a mature and professional way. Yeah. And something that I think comes along with all of this that I think is very important, certainly for a director, but I think it's true for everyone else, is the idea of being a good actor and not actor like acting on stage, but a good person to work with all the time and from early on and bank goodwill. Because if you have to sit down and have a conversation with two actors and say you need to stop having conversations about the play at home, if they can be hearing that from someone who they know has treated them fairly, who they know cares about the process, who has treated them with respect and given them room to work, they are going to, that is much less likely to become a fight than if they're hearing it from someone who they viewed as having any sort of adversarial relationship up until that point. It just really is something that it's, it's good to be good to people, but it frankly can be useful to be good to people when it comes time to have difficult conversations because they're much less difficult when, they, when people have confidence that you're saying it for a good reason. Which is why it's good to consider whether this particular conflict is worth a conflict at this moment because mm. there might be something bigger down the line that is actually worth delving into. And if you can find a way to deal with it in a more positive way, that's part of banking up that goodwill for later. Yeah. Uh, we have discussed a lot of things that I think really hit philosophically on the way to be a good collaborator and to diffuse or work through these kinds of situations. But let's run down briefly before we wrap up some specific circumstances that might come up between other collaborators. What uh, issues and, and challenges can come up between an actor and director in the process? I have seen in a number of circumstances actors who don't seem to understand the communication element with the director and who, who fight back, who talk back. And as the process gets more and more, um, as you get further and further into the process, that becomes more and more heightened. And most of the time I see it happen at its worst in tech, where an actor doesn't understand which part of the process he or she is in and doesn't understand that the director has his or her eye on any number of things and really thinks that it is all about me right now. It's all about me all the time and fights back with the director rather than trying to have any sort of productive communication. 
And I think something that's a helpful thing to realize when you are a collaborator with that person is that person is someone who is probably motivated by power, which is a real motivator for many people. I mean, there's a, a list of, I think it's six primary motivating factors that motivate people, and that's one of them. And something that you can do a lot go, will go a long way as a director if you're running into a situation where that happens, is to be able to say, you know, you're fighting, I want this, I want that, and to say, you know what, tomorrow for the first hour of rehearsal, I know you clearly have things you want to work on, let me know what you want to work on for the first hour of rehearsal tomorrow. The extent to which, A, it's probably stuff they need to work on, but in an eight-hour rehearsal day, those seven hours, you're going to get a lot more out of that person in the whole process, out of the whole eight hours, but certainly the seven hours that are left, if you have said to the person, I am going, you want power in this circumstance, I'm going to give you some power in this circumstance. They will feel it, they will get what they need, and then they will do what you need them to do for the rest of the day. You know, and I think that that's, you know, a, a really important thing to think about as a director or anyone um, is what is your goal here? If the, is your goal to win the fight or is the goal to get the show done well? Um, you know, and to look at what does this person really want from me? Um, you know, similarly, the flip side of things, that on one hand you can have, you know, an, an, an actor who's pushing back against a director, you can also have a director who's dictatorial and not giving people their uh, place to work. You know, and that's a place, it's something we've talked about before, that I think like minor choice technique can be very helpful. If the director is not giving you any room to do improvisation, you can come hat in hand and say, please, sir, can I have some improvisation? But actually, it can work very well if you walk up and say, you know, we're working on this. I think this is, I'm very excited by what we're doing. Uh, I'm going to need some time to do some improvisation. Will, will I, when will I have that time? Not asking can I have the time, but when will I have that time? Because it takes some cojones for the director to look you in the eye and say, you cannot have what you need from this process. If you have said this is something I'm expecting. That's a whole different issue if the director then says that, but I, 95% of the time, if you frame it that way, not saying I'm not rehearsing anymore until I get some improv, but saying I'm going to need some time to improv in the next three days, when will I have that time? I can almost guarantee you, you will have that time. Again, the question is, do you want your improv time or do you want to win the fight with the director? What about circumstances between either the director or actor and a playwright in the room? It is incredibly challenging for everyone, but <laughs> I speak as an actor. Uh, when a playwright, you spoke about it earlier in a particular circumstance, we had repeated rewrites and rewrites without, um, with, without any awareness of how close opening night might be. And I think that that is the ultimate and the lack of respect and not understanding that everybody in the room has a job to do and that has come up in, in more than one process I've been involved in. Mm -hmm. I've been in a process like that although I would say because we all work with playwrights and our playwrights and you know do new play development and I think if there is a situation because those situations arise all the time I mean so often where there's a lot of writing happening very late in the process a situation in which the expectations of what the rewrite schedule is going to be are not right. clear, which is really the, the thing that I think can be solved. It's not, there is no way in which there cannot be a, there can be a page that comes, 
after this certain point, but to say this, these are our expectations. This is when you should expect that the rewrites will be finished, or you should not expect that the rewrites will be finished. And to know that up front, that every word is in play until uh, we're done, you know, until the end of the last performance. And if that's the case, then you can be the collaborative person that deals with it with aplomb and finds a way in which to work with that process. And having an understanding of not only the schedule of those rewrites, but also the goal of those rewrites, to, to be treated like a collaborator so that you understand how you're helping the process of making the play. And I think that there can be something, and this is a, sounds tough, but you know, there does come a point at which you cannot do your job if you don't have a script to work with that you know what it is. I mean, there just comes a point at which that is true. I'm a big believer in the value of a rehearsal process to help a, a playwright hone their play. So I think you want to be able to have in your rehearsal process some rewriting um, and room to have that and again, a plan to do that. But one of the things I find in those circumstances, and I've been in it as both a director and an actor, is you feel bullied almost. You feel bullied by the script, you feel bullied by the process, and sometimes a bully just needs someone to stand up to them. And you know, it really is something that you don't need, and I don't mean that to fight to, to, to have a brawl, but as long as you can really look yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm being professional, I have, you know, I, I genuinely need a locked script if at this point, if I'm going to get this done, to say, the rewrites need to stop. I cannot take any, and actually, let me take that back. Not to say the rewrites need to stop, and not to say you need to stop rewriting, but to say, I cannot take any more rewrites after this time. I am stating that. And preferably not today, you're done rewriting, but to say, what's the script, I need to work from the script that we end rehearsal with tomorrow. We have all day today and all day tomorrow to change the things that are important, but I need to know going home tomorrow that that's the script we're going to be opening the show with. That's all. And A, it shows enough respect that it's not saying you have to deal with the script you're unhappy with, but you're saying you need to prioritize and you need to decide what you're going to change. And you're saying it's for my process. And I think you will be very surprised as an actor or as a director that people respond to that. Because again, you're putting the other person in a position, which is why it's really important that you be very fair about that you really are at a point that you really need it. But if you are at a point where you really do need it, you really do need a locked script, that to say, um, this is where we are at, you're putting the other person in a position where they have to be a really awful person to a degree to tell you, no, you can't have the process, that it, my process is more important than your process right. is essentially what you're asking them to say to you. And if they're willing to say to that, then at least you guys can have a conversation. At least you're not just lying down and saying, well, your process can run all over my process. And you know what the ground is that you stand on, which in that case would be quicksand. Right. But, but it is actually a sort of thing where you can you know, the, the situation can end up where there's a negotiation, where they'll say, okay, if we lock act one by the end of rehearsal tomorrow and lock act two by the end of rehearsal on Friday, will that work for you? Okay, all right, but at least then you know. At least then you can plan. At least then you can spend Wednesday and Thursday memorizing act one instead of trying to memorize act two because you know that that's locked. What about situations between 
a director or playwright or anyone else for that matter and the producer or artistic director of the theater or the production. It seems to be that, again, we fall under the category of expectations. What were the goals or what are the goals for this collaboration, this project? How fully have they been articulated? And if we're reaching a point where those we're realizing are questions that were not answered, sitting down and having a conversation before it becomes an issue or after it has reared its first tiny head as an issue um, to establish what is the terrain, what are the goals, what, is, what are the hopes for moving forward here? As an actor, one of the things I've noticed about that kind of a challenge is that sometimes the artistic director or the producer will skip over the director and come to me as an actor. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like when I see that challenge, I, I try to stay out of it, but I, I see that as a challenge between the director or the playwright and the artistic director is something that needs to be solved by the director. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that that, in terms of protecting your turf, for lack of a better word, is important. And I think the awareness of what the turf is, you know, that they're, frankly, as an artistic director of a theater, which I am, there is a very large degree to which I am responsible to the theater, I am responsible to the board of directors, I am responsible to our artists, I am responsible to our audience to be sure that the show is of a quality that people expect from our theater. Um, and if I am seeing a show come together that is not going to be that, I have some obligation to intervene. But the first line of, atta of attack on that front is talking with the director, talking with the playwright about what can we do together, what can you do with the actors, what can you do with the designers. There may come a point at which you need to go directly to the people in the cast or directly to the designers. But I think you need at the very least, as an artistic director, to let the director know that that is the point we are at now. I am going to be talking to the actors. I'm going to give them this note. They clearly are not understanding what we're trying to do with what you're doing with them. But that should be an absolute very, very, very last resort. Because if a production gets to that place, it very it, it can almost definitely be poisoned. I have frankly never, as an artistic director, gotten to that place in a process. Um, and frankly, I have had very happy circumstances, both as the director working with an artistic director and artistic director working with the director, where we've discussed something and the director has said to the artistic director, you know, that's a great way of saying that. Can you tell that to that actor? I mean, hopefully if you're collaborating, there shouldn't be a threat there because you're all there trying to do the same thing. I cannot imagine a circumstance where it's appropriate for a producer to talk directly to an actor, though. That is, there is a fundamental difference between an artistic director and a producer. But that said, I also think it is important to recognize the conflict between artistic vision and finance, which is a very real thing. And they're very real Things. And I think that you, as an artist, need to recognize if someone is putting up the funds to do your work and it is coming out of their pocket or they have raised the money, it is coming out of the theater's pocket that they have raised money to support, they have some input, some significant input, into being sure that those resources are being spent well. And also, you as the producer or artistic director need to respect that you have asked these people to do this artistic work 
And frankly, it is a poor reflection on you and your hiring abilities if you do have to intervene. But I think the most important thing in that circumstance is to be very straightforward and ask the other person to be straightforward about what you want. Because if it is, I need a spotlight and no, you can't have it because we don't have the funds for it. Well, spotlight, no funds, spotlight, no funds, you can go on forever. But if you talk about, well, what do you really want? Well, in that moment, it's critically important that she is the utter focus of attention. What do you need? I need to not spend any more than $300 more than we've already spent. Well, maybe you guys can work out a solution to that problem. Maybe there's a less financially you know, stressful way to highlight her other than renting a spotlight. Maybe there's another way to, to, to save the $150 it would cost to get the spotlight if you as a director are willing to give up something else. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's just the really important thing. And frankly, part of it is to be willing to put your foot down for your part in the process. To say to the producer as the director, this is what I want in that moment and that is my prerogative as the director. How can we work out the financial problem? What do I need to give up? in order for you to give me what I need financially. As the producer to say, we are not spending, we are not going $200 over budget to do that spotlight. But we can talk about ways that we can get the effect you want under budget. Let's have that conversation. And it's just, again, really important, A, to respect the other person's place in that conversation, but also to respect your own place in that conversation and say there are certain things that you as a producer or an artistic director or a director are entitled to say is your call. And sometimes I think it's important to say, I'm willing to work with you, but this is my decision. That very often goes a very, very, very long way towards getting the, the discussion going in a helpful direction. It goes back to the same thing we've been talking about, respecting each other, do your own job. Yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap up. If you are enjoying the Cry Havoc podcast and want to let people know that it's out there, uh, please tell your friends and also go to iTunes and give us stars and uh, write a review. If you're not subscribed, you can subscribe at iTunes. If you want to know more about the Cry Havoc company, our public events, our educational services, uh, our free early career seminars, and how you can support the work of the company, including this podcast, go to www.cryhavoccompany.org. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us as the Cry Havoc Company, or if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Cry Havoc NYC. Uh, so for myself, Jen, Jenny, Jersey, Jen, and everyone at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavacompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.